I meant to do this earlier. I uh, forgot in the first service too. But uh, was it cold coming in this morning? A little chilly? Uh, huge, huge shout out to our volunteers. As a matter of fact, if you served in the parking lot this morning or you were one of our greeters at the doors where it was really cold, would you stand? Is that you? If that's, yeah, awesome, fantastic, big hand. Outstanding. Um, I actually have, raise your hand. James, would you help me? Raise your hand. There was Robin and Doug and Andy. Raise your hand if that was you. Dunkin' Donuts right there. You need, you're going to need, no, you don't get any. You're, you're safe in the warm house. So, uh, yeah, that, that'll warm you up a little bit. It was so cold this morning, and our, uh, our volunteers were so great. Thank you so much. If there's anybody else, you can see me afterwards, but I know who you are. Like, don't try to fool me. Um, <clears throat> big weekend. Big weekend. Falcons win. National championship game tomorrow. If you're not into football, Hobby Lobby opens in Loganville tomorrow. Right? Some of you are like... Pumped about Hobby Lobby opening up in Loganville. You're going to be in line at 7.30 tomorrow. Yeah, good for you. That's awesome. Um, There's a lot of preparation, obviously, that goes into getting to the national championship. A lot of preparation just this week uh, from, from the time Georgia-Alabama won on Monday night until kickoff this Monday night. Just all kinds of film study and practice and trying to figure out what the opponent's going to do and what their tendencies are. Uh, you, you got that whole storyline of will the, will the student rise above the master, right? You got Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and th- that whole drama going on. Uh, but they... they the coaches, the assistant coaches, like they've been pouring over film, trying to figure out the tendencies of the other side. Because there's an advantage in the 60 minutes of the game. There's an advantage if you know what they're likely to do. Like when they get in this formation, they tend to run this type of play. So you can kind of get prepared for that. Or uh, when it's third and long, they typically run this defense. And so we can try to get around that. Or when they, when they get close to the goal line... These are the things they, they, they tend to do. So picking up on tendencies, studying what the opponent is likely to do is incredibly valuable. And they've been doing that. Right? They've been doing that for all season, but, but definitely for the last week. Just hours and hours and hours of preparation. You know what, what Kirby Smart and Nick Saban have not done this week? They have not watched any film of my South Carolina Gamecocks. Not like, a, not like a minute. Like Kirby's not holed up in a dark room going, oh, we've got to figure out that South Carolina defense. and We don't want them to hurt us. And what's Muschamp likely to do? Like they have not spent a minute worried about what South Carolina is going to do tomorrow because South, South Carolina is not in the game. Like they, don't, they don't have to be afraid of us. They don't ever have to be afraid of us. But like tomorrow, there's no chance... That we're going to be there on the, we're not even in the fight tomorrow. Who, who else are they not worried about? Um, they're not worried about Auburn, right? <laughs> they're not Tigers, War Eagle, whichever one you are. They are not worried about you. And look, I get it. If you're an Auburn fan, this is a sensitive subject because you beat both teams this year. I, I get it. It's sensitive to you. I, I, you you're not going to be there tomorrow. 
I mean, Gus Malzahn's watching from the couch just like I am tomorrow. Like, I might as well be the coach of Auburn tomorrow because I'm going to have the same view of the game that Gus has got. And you got beat by UCF in the bowl game. Like, seriously. And I'm a UCF fan. Like, I, any UCF fans? Knights? Go Knights? Yeah, I'm like, I love what happened to UCF. Like, this turnaround from last year to this year, undefeated season, incredible. Go Knights! But you're not the national championship. Just stop. Just stop it. All right. Don't put up a banner. You're not the national champion. Nobody's worried about you tomorrow night. Nobody. And then there's um, Ohio State. Like, ain't nobody worried about Ohio State tomorrow. They're whining on Twitter. You know Ohio State fans? Let me just make you mad. Yeah. If there was a national champion of complaining on social media, we would give it to Ohio State. Like you, you and Kirk Herbstreet, y'all could have it. You could have it. You could own it. You could buy your ring. Nobody, nobody's planning for Ohio State tomorrow because Ohio State's not going to be there. Like you only plan for the opponent that can do damage to you. That's the only opponent you worry about. You, don't, you, you only worry about the opponent that actually is going to line up on the other side of the line and come at you. Here's the thing. In order to be feared by the opponent, you actually have to be in the fight. In order to be feared by the opponent... You have to be in the fight. You have to be somebody that the other side is worried about. you got to be in the game. It's 2018. First week of 2018. we got 51 more weeks. I want to be in the game in 2018. I, I want, it's going to be kind of weird for some of you. Just, it's going to be kind of a weird day. I'm just letting you know. I want the enemy to have to worry about what's going on at Journey in 2018. Like, I, I want the spirits of darkness to have to watch film of what's happening at Journey because we're coming after them. Because we're lining up on the other side and we're saying, we're going to run it down your throat this year. Like, we're going to push the ball forward. We're going to, from the kingdom of light... We're going to advance against the kingdom of darkness in 2018. I want the enemy to be afraid because we're in the fight in 2018. Now look, we've seen God do unbelievable things in the last almost three years. Almost three years. Those of you who have been a part of it, those of you who have jumped in at different parts along the way, like it doesn't matter where you've jumped in, God's done something. Right? We've just seen God show up and God make it possible for us to be in this building and make it possible for us to have this sort of crowd here and, and for us to do ministry and to have baptisms. And we've just seen God show up again and again and again. And we've pushed back darkness for almost three years. It's 2018. And I don't want us to settle in in year three. I don't, I don't want us to get to a point where we go... Man, things are really going well. Let's just kind of ride this out. This is fun. I want us, first week of 2018, to remember there is an enemy, and we are to advance against him, and there are people trapped in darkness that need to be set free. I want the enemy to take notice of us 
in 2018. There's a, there's a weird story, like crazy story, in Acts chapter 19. If you don't read your Bible, you need to read your Bible because there's crazy stuff happens in the Bible. And Acts chapter 19 is one of those like absolutely crazy stories that we're going to work through. Uh, the book of Acts is essentially the sequel to Jesus' life. Like Jesus comes, he's born at Christmas, we just celebrated that. Um, he's born, he becomes a man, he has three years of ministry on the earth, he calls his disciples, he heals people, he teaches, Sermon on the Mount, we got, we got all of that good teaching from Jesus in the Gospels. And then Jesus lays down his life for our forgiveness and, for, and, and to show us grace and so that we could, we could be saved and, and be reunited with our Father. Three days later, Jesus rises again. Forty days later, he ascends back into heaven, seated at the right hand of God right now, makes intercession for us to the Father. But when Jesus leaves, <clears throat> that's when Acts picks up. Like Acts is part two. It's written by a guy named Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. So Luke writes the story of Jesus, and then Luke gets motivated and says, I want to I write what happened after Jesus left because, like, the gospel exploded around the world. Like the, the church came to be in the book of Acts. People started gathering together and they started sharing communion and baptizing and, and, and studying God's word. And then they formed a church in one city and another city and another city. And the gospel just starts going around the world in the book of Acts. Great book. If you ever read it, you need to read the book of Acts. Now, in the book of Acts... There's two main characters that everything swirls around. A lot of other really important characters, but two main characters. The first part of the book of Acts centers around the ministry of Peter and his proclamation of the gospel specifically to the Jews. And then partway through the book of Acts, the, the action shifts to this guy named Paul, who Peter was a disciple of Jesus when he was on the earth. Paul comes to faith after Jesus leaves. Jesus comes back, has this radical uh, conversion experience and so Paul then begins to take the gospel outside of where it had been, outside of Judaism to Gentiles and to other countries. He becomes this missionary, starts planting churches. We've talked about this before. He'll start a church in somebody's home, stay with them for a little while, and then he'll leave a leader there, and he'll go do that somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else. And then he writes letters back. That's most of our New Testament, is letters that Paul wrote back to churches that he had started, First and Second Corinthians and Galatians and Colossians, Philippians, all, the, all those books are churches that Paul started and then corresponded with. What you have in the book of Acts is... Paul actually starting those churches. Like, what happened in Philippi? And then later he writes a letter to them. And like, what happened in, in, in Galatia and, and Colossae? We're going to read a, about a community named Ephesus. And, and later Paul's going to write a letter to them. The, the cool thing about Acts is it kind of overlays all the letters of Paul. It gives the, the history and the backstory of those letters. So, in 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 Ephesus, there's, there's some things going on, and we, we kind of need to dig into those things in order to get where we're going, because this story can provoke about a million questions, and I can't answer all of those questions today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to at least give us a little bit of foundation so I can say what I want to say. I'm going to get to what I want to say at the very end, but we, we got to get between here and there. So uh, you, you ride with me here for this next little while. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. 
First thing we need to talk about, Acts 19.11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. God, so we step into Ephesus. Paul meets some of John's disciples that are already in Ephesus. He goes to the synagogue and starts reasoning with the the synagogue leaders. And then, then Luke says, while he was there, God did extraordinary miracles. Extraordinary miracles. And and he uses that word specifically. This was Luke's way of saying, even by miracle standards, what was happening in Ephesus was crazy. Like these unusual miracles. Like this wasn't the norm, I think is what Luke's saying. This wasn't the norm. It probably is not going to be the norm afterwards. But at this particular time, really unusual miracles were taking place in the city of Ephesus through Paul. Now, this is a much longer conversation. We're going to have the short version today. <clears throat> Sometimes we, we, we ask and we wonder, like, why don't we see all that stuff today? And there's probably a lot of reasons for that. But Paul, as he's starting the church, as, as God is jump-starting the church in the first century... God wanted to authenticate his work because he just had a few people that were doing this. There weren't like millions and millions and and thousands of missionaries. There's just like a few people spreading the gospel. And and God's trying to kind of jumpstart the church. And so among those few leaders, God was doing miraculous things through them to authenticate that these are my spokespeople. You need to listen to them. They're talking for me. They're working for me. We live in a different time. God has other ways of doing that right now. But in the first century, God was using these miracles to authenticate his leaders so that people would trust them, so that people would believe them. The critical aspect of this verse, though, are the first two sentences. It's not really, it's not really Paul, and it's not really extraordinary miracles. It's the words, God did. I mean, whenever we think about miracles, we have to remember God's the one that does miracles. It's not Paul. It's not a preacher. It's not even a prayer. God is the one who works miracles. Does God work miracles today? Yeah, sure he does. When, if God wants to work a miracle, God can work a miracle. And God, God can do that in our day. And, and I think it's all right to pray for miracles. I do pray for miracles. God does miracles. But back then and even today, miracles come from God. He is responsible for the miracles. Now, that helps us with the next little part. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Okay. Um, <clears throat> God's doing miracles. Paul's at the center of those. Paul's kind of the vehicle. Luke's already said, what I'm about to tell you, it didn't happen all the time. It just happened right here. It was unusual. It wasn't like the, even by miracle standards, this is not what always happened. But here's what was happening with Paul. Even pieces of cloth that touched him and somebody took them to a sick person, the sick person was getting healed. Like God was healing them when a handkerchief that Paul had touched somebody that was sick. Crazy, crazy stuff. Again, Luke says, that's not the norm. It didn't always happen that way. Luke would probably say to all of us, 
Don't send the televangelist $100 to get his prayer cloth because that's, that's probably not the way God's working today. It's probably not going to happen. God does these things. Like, you don't need a prayer cloth. $19.99, just save it, invest it, give it to the church, do something better with it. You don't need the prayer cloth. As a matter of fact, we live in a time where we have the scriptures, so we know that God was doing it anyway. Like, we didn't need the prayer cloth now. Uh, we know God's the one who works miracles, so we can just ask God for the miracle. But back then... In Ephesus, this crazy, wild time, extraordinary miracles are happening. And God was using even pieces of cloth to heal people because that's what God wanted to do. Now, the other part, before we get where we're going, the other part you have to understand about Ephesus is <clears throat> Ephesus had an obsession with dark um, sorcery, witchcraft, magic in the spells, incantations sort of thing. Like, like they were steeped in this fascination with demons and darkness. It was a very dark city. There was a phrase that was sometimes used 2,000 years ago in Ephesus called the Ephesian writings. When somebody said the Ephesian writings or the Ephesian letters, they were referencing a collection of spells or incantations. Like that is how much this dark, demonic obsession characterized Ephesus and the people of Ephesus. I know that's, that's kind of weird. Now, we believe there's darkness. Um, we believe that there's an enemy that wants to destroy us. I don't know where you are with all that, but, but, but we believe like there's an enemy that wants to destroy your life and your family and, and your future and your hope. And he's working at all times to bring destruction. Jesus said that's what the enemy does. He kills, steals, and destroys. That's what he does. So we believe this is a reality. We believe there is a spiritual reality that we don't see, but is real and active in the world. Now, we don't see demons behind every bush here at Journey. Okay, I don't. Like when, when you get sick... We don't blame the flu demon for you getting... We just say, you got the flu, all right? You should have got the flu shot, and the flu demon wouldn't have bothered you. So we don't blame every little thing on demons. But listen, there's a spirit world that is against us, is against God, against the kingdom of light. In Ephesus, because there was this obsession with that world, that realm, if you demonstrated that you had power over that realm... Like you were important. You had, you had instant influence and instant respect if you demonstrated that you had power over darkness or within the darkness. People took notice of that. Now, story's going to get a little stranger. Hold on. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish high priest, were doing this. All right? If you followed along, you got respect by having power over, over the darkness and the spirits. So these seven brothers decided, hey, we're going to try what Paul's doing. We're going to use the same language that Paul used. We're going, to, we're going to invoke the name of Jesus. We're going to invoke the name of Paul. We're going to try to say it just like Paul says it and see if we have power. 
So they were going around saying, in the name of Jesus, who Paul talks about. In other words, we don't know Jesus. Like, well, I don't know who Jesus is. But Paul keeps saying Jesus, so I'm going to say Jesus and see if I can have some power. They, they were playing Jesus. right? They were playing religion. They were pretending to know something they didn't know. They were pretending to have something they didn't have. Now, the, the Scripture tells us their father was a priest. There's some argument about that. We know he wasn't like the high priest, like the main priest. He was either a priest that was somewhere down the org chart as far as priests go, but he could still call himself a priest. Or some people think he gave himself the title of priest in order to gain more influence. He was a self-appointed priest. And people just started believing that he was really, really a priest because he called himself a priest. So one of two things are going on with the brothers. Either the brothers grew up around religion enough to know what it sounded like, or they grew up with a father that had been playing religion their whole life. Either way, we have seven guys that are playing religion. And before we're too hard on them, Let's be honest. That's pretty easy to do 2,000 years later. I mean, it's pretty easy to play religion in 2018, especially in the South. I mean, it's pretty easy to learn the songs that all the Christians sing, right? Like we sang Oceans. Like, y'all know, hey, I know Oceans. Oh, I love Oceans. Like, yeah. Now, you can learn the songs, download them. You can know all the songs and not know Jesus. You can learn the language that Christians... You know, we, we sometimes have our own language. It doesn't make sense to anybody but us. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. We, we have words that we throw around. We make fun of like the 30 years ago church. You know, they called everybody brother and sister and said bless you. And they sang the doxology. and they, We make fun of them. But you know what? Contemporary churches got just as much lingo as older churches do. Just, if you listen to like celebrity preachers, if you, li- if, you, if you listen to their podcasts or read their books or go to their conferences or read their blogs, like Christian culture has all these weird words that they like to use and weird phrases that they like to use. You could, you could learn those and you could use them and you could sound like all the other Christians. I mean, it's easy in our day to play Jesus, to play religion, to pretend to be something that we're not, and I don't want to do that at Journey. I, I, I don't want us just to know some new songs. I, I, don't, I don't want us just to know the language. I don't want us just to kind of come in here and all speak the same language and then go back out there and not be any different, not be changed. That's what's happening with the seven sons of Sceva. And they were fooling people. They were fooling lots of people, apparently. Ready for it to get weirder? You know who they didn't fool? The evil spirits. That's creepy, right? That's like really creepy. Because they're they're casting and they're naming Jesus and the evil spirits are going, oh, that that didn't do anything to me. That that didn't cast me out. that, That didn't bother me at all. So one of the evil spirits gets tired of hearing them, and he speaks up. Again, this is weird. I get it. It's weird. 
He's possessing this, this guy. And so through this guy, this is what happens in verse 15. One day, the evil spirit answered them, the seven brothers, who are pretending to be followers of Jesus. One day, the evil spirit answered them. Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Evil spirit speaks up, that we all know about Jesus, like he did some damage in our world, like he cast us into pigs and called us out of people and like threw us over a ledge, like nobody wanted to mess with Jesus when he was on, we know who Jesus is. And Paul's doing that same crazy stuff all the time. He's just like Jesus. Like he says something and we, we're gone. We know Paul. Like we're all in this group text message and everybody keeps saying, don't mess with Paul, don't mess with Paul. Paul's bad, don't mess with Paul. Like we know who Paul is. We never heard of you. You don't bother us. You don't appear to really be in the fight. We're not worried about what offense you run. We're not scared of your linebackers. We're not afraid you're going to blitz. Who are you? Translation, we're not afraid of you. We're not afraid of you at all. It's 2018. We got 51 more weeks. When we get to the end of 2018, and what I want is I want the forces of darkness to have to say, do you guys see what Journey's been doing this year? Now, you guys know Journey, right? Y'all have seen what's been happening at Journey. Like, do, you, do you guys know that there are people that we thought we had in bondage and they got set free because of what God's doing at Journey? There were marriages we thought we had torn apart. And they're back together because of what God's doing at Journey. There are people who, are, who were hopeless, and they have hope because of what God's doing at Journey. There are orphans that have families now because of what God's doing at Journey. Do you all see what God's doing at Journey? I don't want to get to the end of 2018, and the forces of darkness go, who's that? Like They don't bother us. I mean, we, we could spend this whole year learning new songs. And not invading the darkness. We could do that. I, I, I don't just want to give some good talks in 2018. I, I don't want us to just learn some new songs. I, I don't want us to just come up with a couple of cool new t-shirt designs. I don't want us to just give away some coffee mugs. I want us to invade the darkness with the light and bring people out in the name of Jesus. There, there, there are people whose souls and lives are hanging in the balance of eternity. And they need somebody, they need some church, they need some friend, they need some family member who will say, we're going to go in there and get them. We're going to fight the forces of darkness with the forces of light. Let's don't play all of 2018. Like God's done too much. 
We've seen the kingdom of light advance too far in our short history. We've seen people baptized. We've seen families strengthened. We've seen too much of light advancing against darkness. We've seen orphans adopted into homes and people caring for foster kids. We've seen too much of that to coast through 2018. I want the enemy to be scared of what's happening at journey. Now, it's kind of funny. If you keep reading the story, the evil spirit in this man goes Bruce Lee, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Daryl The Rock Johnson, all rolled into one and beats the dog out of these seven brothers. I mean, beats the snot out of these seven. He is not scared of these seven brothers. He jumps on them, beats them up, and that's not enough. He rips their clothes off because the Bible says they run out into the street bleeding and naked because he's not afraid of them. Here's what happens to people and churches that play Jesus for too long. Eventually, they get exposed. Eventually, they get exposed of having no power, of having no Jesus, of having no fight, of having no spirit. I don't want to be that. But I want our church to continue to be on the front lines. Now, after this scene, verse 17, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. People from all around the city, they came, started confessing their sins, getting right with Jesus. The Bible says they, they burned, a bunch of them burned their witchcraft book, their sorcery books, their magic spell books. The, the Bible says it was 50,000 drachmas. A drachma is a, a day's wage. So 50,000 days worth of wages, which if that were one person, it would be like you working every single day, no weekends, no days off, no vacations, every single day for 137 years. That's the value of what they burned on that day because their hearts were set on fire by Jesus. You see, while, while some people were playing Jesus, God was still getting his work done. Like his name was still being exalted. The next verse, in this way, verse 20, in this way the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. You know what's going to happen in 2018? The word of the Lord is going to spread widely and it's going to grow in power somewhere. Like the name of Jesus is going to get lifted up somewhere. I want it to be here. I want it to be here. I want us to be a part of the remnant that says, we're not going to just play Jesus, and we're not going to just play church, and we're not just going to sing some songs and listen to some talks. We're going to remind ourselves in 2018, there is a darkness that needs to be defeated by the power of Jesus, and we're going to be a part of that. I'm going to ask you to do just one thing as we close. I'm going to ask you to do just one thing in light of this, Starting today, and it, you don't have to cast any evil spirits out. You don't have to give handkerchiefs to anybody. This is the one thing I'm going to ask you to do as we get started with 2018. Pray. Would you, would you just recommit to pray? When we pray, we are engaging in spiritual battle. 
And we don't always see its results. But, but God responds to our prayers. The Word of God tells us He does. He responds in power when God's people pray. There is no greater form of spiritual battle that you and I do than prayer. And I know there's more than prayer that we can do and we will do in 2018. There's things we do after we pray, but there shouldn't be anything we do until we pray. Like prayer needs to be the first advance against the enemy in all of our lives and in our lives collectively. So would you commit to pray fresh and new for yourself, for your family, for your loved ones, for our church. That when the enemy looks at us, he doesn't say, who are you? He says, we better get out of the way. Because they're coming. And they're bringing the kingdom of light and the power of Jesus' name with them this year. Let's pray. God, we don't want to play church this year. God, I'm so thankful that since our existence, since our beginning back in 2015, people have committed and they've served and they've worked and they've prayed and they've studied your word and they wanted to see people come to Christ and they wanted the kingdom of God to be advanced. God, we don't want to stop that in 2018. We want to keep advancing so that the enemy has to plan for what we're doing. And I know the next part of the story in Acts 19, God. I know the next part was not everybody liked that. Like not, not everybody was happy about that. But the name of Jesus was held high. And the power of his word advanced widely. Let us be a part of that in 2018. Not just a part. God, let us be on the front lines of light taking back territory from the darkness. I pray it in Jesus' name.